Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Secret Language Podcast. Happy Monday. Glad you're here. Um, everybody likes having fun, right? I mean, of course, everyone likes to do things that are considered fun and that they find enjoyable. But something that I learned this weekend is that fun is quantifiable and that there are different levels to having fun. If you uh, go to REI's website, like the outdoor store, they have an article called The Fun Scale, which I was introduced to this past weekend. Um, There are three types of fun, is what this article is saying, is that you've got type 1, type 2, and type 3. Type 1 fun is just enjoyable while it's happening. You know, it's like watching a sitcom. You you sit down, you have a couple laughs, and then when you wake up the next morning, you don't even really remember it. Or like eating an ice cream cone, something like that. Like, it's enjoyable while it's happening, but there's no, like, lasting value to it. Type 2 fun is miserable while it's happening, but it's fun in retrospect. You know, like climbing a mountain, how you're just sore and miserable the whole time, but then you look back on it, and it was a lot of fun. And then you've got type 3 fun, which is no fun at all, even in retrospect. Now, this type 3 fun can turn into type 2 fun after enough time has passed. You can kind of look back at it with rose-colored glasses. Today, I'm going to talk about... Uh, I'm going to tell you all a story about my experience with some Type 2 fun this past weekend. It is kind of funny that this article comes from REI.com because, for me, this story begins in a sporting goods store. So, I'm a man of many hobbies. I have a lot of things that I'm interested in, a lot of things that I enjoy doing for fun, things that I just like to do. One of the hobbies that I have recently gotten very, very into has been fly fishing. So, this all starts when I left Florida College, and it was, it was the summer after my last year at Florida College. My dad took me out on a fishing trip to south-central Missouri to Montauk State Park, which is a trout park. See, Missouri is one of the best states in the country for trout fishing because we have a lot of spring-fed rivers, and the conservation department does a really excellent job keeping the river stocks. So, like, you can trout fish just about anywhere in the state. And so I was introduced to this trout fishing, and it was a good time. We had we camped, we, we fished for like two whole days. It was a great time. But when we left, we, we saw the fly fishing only section, and we were like, okay, next time we go, we're going to have to fly fish. We're going to have to try that. It looks like fun. And so I moved to Bowling Green. I was going to start school at Western Kentucky, and still had this idea of someday I'm going to go back to Montauk State Park with my dad and fly fish. Well, I was living in an apartment, and so I had to make money for, you know, rent and food and, you know, staying alive, things like that. And so I needed to find a job. I was applying to jobs anywhere that would take an application. And I ended up working at a Cabela's sporting goods store, which was great. Like, I grew up going to Cabela's. And I was really excited to work there. Problem was, I was working in the clothing department, which meant that I just folded clothes all day. And it was really not a great time. But after I spent some time at the store and there were some job openings, I got to work in the fishing department, which was great. Like, super positive experience. I liked working with the fishing. Because I got to interact with the customers more and interact with some things that I actually enjoy, like fishing equipment. So during this time... Uh, I met someone who I'm going to affectionately refer to as my man Rick. 
See, my man Rick, he works the fly fishing counter at the Cabela's in Bowling Green. At least he used to. And he was an older, retired guy. And he was working at Cabela's, not for the money, but because he loved fly fishing and Cabela's gives, gives a good discount. So he was doing this for the love of fly fishing, helping out other people get into it. Like, it was like his passion project was working at Cabela's in the fly fishing department. So I go and I ask this older guy, I'm like, hey, I'd like to learn how to fly fish. Where should I get started? And he was really kind and accommodating to me. He, he asked me a lot of questions. He was like, so do you know how to cast? No, I've never, I've, I've never held a fly rod in my life, sir. He said, okay, perfect. You don't work on Saturday, right? No, sir. Okay, come on out to my house. I'll give you my address. And we'll go hang out in the backyard, and I'll teach you how to cast. And I did. So I went out to his house, and he grabbed a fly rod for me, and he showed me how to do it. And then I practiced until I kind of got the hang of it. And he was really, really helpful that way. And I said, okay, I guess I'll have to get me a fly rod. I talked to my dad about it. He said, oh, I've got one in the garage that I haven't used in years. You, next time you come to visit, you should take it with you. So eventually I brought my own fly rod, my, brought my dad's fly rod back with me to Bowling Green, and I got found some other people at Cabela's to take me out and go fishing. My man Rick took me, took me fishing, and I didn't have any flies. So flies are the lures that you use to fly fish with. They're little tiny hooks that are covered in, they're, they're hand-tied, they're made out of things like feather and fur and other artificial materials, all tied together with thread. And I didn't have any flies to fish with, and so Rick gave me some that he had made himself. And he had told me, don't ever buy flies if you can help it. Like, you can make them so much cheaper than you can buy them for. If you want to go out and buy one individual fly, it'll usually cost you about two and a half, three dollars. But the materials to actually make the hook, to make the fly, only cost you about 20 cents a fly. Like, it's super cheap to make, really expensive to buy. And I thought, oh, that's really neat. I should tie my own. <clears throat> and so he helped me pick out some stuff and gives, gave me pointers, and he still gives me pointers to this day, about tying my own flies. And so for the past, oh, let's see, two and a half years now, I've been... A kind of passive fly fisherman and now I live back in Missouri and which has been really really exciting for me because in in Bowling Green I had one place that I really ever fished and I never caught anything but I, I just enjoyed being out there it was a good time well I have now moved back to Missouri the land of a thousand places to fish and I live next door to my buddy Jake and my buddy Jake he wants to learn how to fly fish. He's done it maybe once or twice, but he's never really gotten into it. And I was like, perfect, man. I'll be your fishing buddy. It'll be a good time. Well, right now, the state of Missouri is under a catch and release season, which means you can go out and fish all you want, but you're not allowed to take the fish home with you. You have to catch them, take them off the hook, throw them back. And I was like, perfect. It's catch and release season. We can go out. We can... You know, just get comfortable, get you comfortable casting, and we'll we'll try to catch some fish. Get comfortable before it's actually before we can actually keep fishing. And so that was like perfect. We we found a weekend that my wife was working all day, so that way I can still spend my free time with her. 
Uh, we, we found the weekend where she was away, which was this past weekend. We said, perfect, we're going to go fish. We're going to go out to Merrimack State, Merrimack Springs State Park, and we're going to go fly fish. Perfect. So I've been looking around. I found a fly fishing store here in St. Louis that's about 10 minutes from my office, which is great. And it has any kind of tying material you could imagine. I'm like a kid in a candy store. I mean, it's it's incredible. So I've gone. I've looked up what are good patterns to tie to catch fish in Missouri. I've asked for advice. I've, you know, went out. And I've been tying flies like crazy for the past couple weeks. I've been, you know, I've been tying stuff. I've been getting ready to go fish. I talked to Jake, and he's like, oh, problem. My fly rod's at the lake house three hours away. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to fish with. I'm like, not a problem. I've been needing to get my own fly rod for a while because I've been borrowing my dad's. I'll get my own rod and reel. You can borrow my dad's, and we'll, we'll still go fish. I'm like, I will provide all the tackle. Everything that we need to actually fish, I'll take care of that. I just need you to bring waders. He's like, perfect. He's got a bunch of pairs of waders. I've got all the tackle. We're ready to fish, baby. So the day comes. And keep in mind, it is still the beginning of February. It is about 9.30 in the morning. We get in the car and we head out to the state park. Now, to backtrack here just a second. There's a saying that says there are only two things guaranteed in life. Death and taxes. And if you fly fish, there are three things that are guaranteed in life. Death, taxes, and leaky waders. Keep that in mind. So we might find our way down to, uh, we, we find our way down, we go to the state park, we park the car, we're trying to find our way down to the river, we finally find it, we, we hike, we have to hike about half a mile down the hill, find our way to the river, perfect, no problem. So we get to the river, you know, we, we take our tennis shoes off, put on the waders, I get him all situated with his fly rod. I tie a new fly on there. I get mine out for the first time. Get everything ready to go. Perfect. We're ready. We get in the water. And my first cast, horrible. I haven't fly fished in about seven months. And so I stink. I hadn't. I, I, it was a horrible cast. No problem. That's fine. We're just trying to get back in the swing of things, right? So I start casting again. I'm getting everything ready, getting the flow of things, and snag a bush behind me. Well, rats. Now, I'm a lazy person. And if you're already standing about 10 feet into the water, you don't want to walk back to the bank and find your fly and unhook it from the bush. You just kind of yank on it. I yanked on it, and I lost the fly. Line snapped. So I'm, I'm two casts in, and, I'm, and I've already lost a fly. That's okay. I liked that one a lot. It was really pretty, but it only cost me about 20 cents to make. I can make 15 more of them when I get home. No problem. We'll just we'll go back up to the bank. We'll tie on a new fly. We'll get going. No problems. I start casting again, getting back in the swing of things. Things are going well. It's all good, but I don't think where I'm fishing at, where I'm casting, is, is really going to have any fish. So I start looking around, looking around the river. Where can I go? Where can I go? Oh, hey, there we go. I find a down tree that's laying in the water. Now, if you know nothing about fishing at all, this is probably the first place to start. Fish like structure. 
Like if you were to go out to a lake and you just go out to the middle of the lake and you just cast a line out there, odds are you're not going to catch anything because fish don't just hang out in the middle of open water. Fish like structure. If you go out towards the banks, you'll see trees that have fallen down or, or docks or things like that. Fish like to hang out there because it makes them feel safe and protected. They can kind of back into a little hole. So fish like structure, and I see this down tree, and I'm like, that looks like a place where fish would hang out because the water is deep, there's some structure. That looks like a place that I can go find fish. So I'm, I'm slowly wading my way up there trying to get to the spot and the rocks rocks are slippery and the water is really clean and clear but not so clean and clear that you can see where the water starts getting deeper so I'm I'm slowly making my way across I'm slipping in the mud and I finally make it to where I want to go I, I'm finally behind the tree because you always want to cast downstream and bring it back up to you I finally am I'm upstream of the tree but I want to kind of cast towards the middle of the river, so I kind of got to step out a little ways. So I finally make it to my spot. I make it not a problem. Start casting, have a couple really pretty casts. I'm like, perfect, I'm getting back in the swing of things. Let's try to catch some fish. I'm casting, I'm casting, and I'm realizing that the water is moving very fast. Like, a lot faster than I was anticipating. I'm looking down, and my body is creating enough blockade in, in the stream that it's creating eddies like there are a bunch of eddies forming straight in front of me because the water's ripping by me so fast so I'm noticing man this this water's moving awfully fast and I'm starting to notice I'm getting closer and closer to this tree like it's it's literally just pushing me forward and that can be a dangerous situation if I get if I'm getting pushed forward and there's an object right in front of me if for some reason I lose my footing and I fall I could get caught under the tree and I could drown. Like, ultimately, some really bad news. So I have to find a way to stop slipping. I'm, I'm like, okay, I'll set my feet really firm on the ground and I'll, I'll lean back against the current, just try to push my way against it, not try to get caught up in it too much, just kind of push against it. So I'm out there, I'm casting, I'm getting back in the swing of things, I'm casting, I'm leaning back against the current, and all of a sudden, whoosh! There's a big cold sensation running down my back. I had leaned back so far that the top of my waders had gone under the water. And all of a sudden, I can just feel the cold wave just kind of slowly making its way down my sweatpants, into my socks. I'm like, rats. Well, that's no good. So... I keep casting, I keep casting, it's not a big deal, just a little bit of water in my, my, my waders, and it happens again. Just a ton of water comes streaming down. I'm still getting pushed closer and closer to the tree. I say, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to find a new spot. It's not worth it. So I'm, I'm fighting my way back to the bank to make my way to Jake. And he goes, any luck? I said, no, I'm, I'm soaking wet. Oh, no, are the waders leaking? No, no, I just leaned too far back and water came pouring in. He thinks it's hilarious because it's about 30 degrees. It's awfully cold. Water's awfully cold. The air's awfully cold. So we get back up to the bank, and he's having a real laugh, grabs his phone, records a video of me taking my waders off, dumping all this water out of them. I mean, it was about 
halfway up my shin all this water. And it's awfully funny to him because I'm now soaking wet and it's cold and whatever. I'm like, okay, well, we did just get here. We've only been here for about half an hour. I I want to keep fishing. You know, we drove an hour to get here. Let's let's do this. So I I look around back from the bank. Okay, well, I'm not going back over there. I'm not going to go where I started. Oh, there's another down tree. Perfect. The water's slower. The water's still deep. I think there can be fish there. I start making my way. Well, as I'm I'm about halfway to my spot where I want to start fishing, and Jake goes, Ah, oh, rats! I lost my fly. Now, for some reason that I can't fully comprehend, I'm holding on to Jake's fly box, which is just the little tackle box with all the different flies in it. And I'm like, rats, I gotta turn back around and give Jake his fly box. So I'm like, okay, I'll I'll come back over there. I turn around, I'm walking, the water's still moving fairly fast. And I find one of those slippery rocks that I was talking about earlier. And I take a real splash. So the way Jake tells it is... He's trying to grab his line, make sure he can reel everything in by the time I get there. And he turns around, and the only thing that you can see, the only thing above the water is my head. And I'm just completely soaked. I am just, I took a drink, is what you call that when you're wearing waders. I fell in and filled my waders back up with water. And Jake is just rolling. It's hilarious to him. And I'm just steaming mad. I'm, I've had it. I'm upset, and he goes, you know what, let's leave, let's, come on buddy, let's get out of here, so we get back up on the bank, and he pulls out his phone and takes another video of me dumping even more water out of my waders, this time it was probably about knee high, full of water, and (laughs) I was not very happy, so I pull these waders off and dump all this water, and I chuck them at him, I'm, I'm cold, I'm freezing i'm wet and now it's like great now what so this is actually i'm I'm actually very very thankful that jake was there because that's how you die if if you go out fishing by yourself or you go out anywhere on the water by yourself and it's especially when it's cold out if if you're not with somebody you know you're lucky if you can get out of the water like i'm lucky that i didn't my waders didn't fill up and I didn't drown because the weight of the water is too heavy. Like I'm very lucky that it wasn't worse than it was, but the real problem at this point now was the cold because now I I'm completely soaked. There's not a dry stitch of fabric on my body, my sweatshirt, my t-shirt under it, my sweatpants, my socks. I am completely drenched. Well, now what, what am I supposed to do now? I'll do the only rational thing I can. When you're cold and wet, the problem can be remaining cold and wet. So I took my sweatshirt off, I took my t-shirt off, threw those in the bucket with the rest of our stuff. And fortunately, I had taken my jacket off because I figured I'll probably be warm enough to not need it. So the only dry stitch of fabric I own at this point is my jacket. So I put my jacket on, I'm still wearing my freezing cold sweatpants, put on my, my shoes with my sock being wet socks, and we've got to hoof it back up a hill, 
about another half mile of the car. So we start walking to the car. You know, the bucket's heavy, and we're carrying stuff, and I'm, I'm freezing cold and wet. And we're talking about how funny this is. And at that point, I had found it funny. You know, if you can't laugh at yourself, what can you laugh at? And this is funny. Like, truthfully, it is a funny sight if you see someone walking back up the hill from the river soaking wet, carrying all this fishing gear. It's funny. But, again, it is cold. It is 30 degrees, and I'm soaking wet. So we make it back up to the car, and I make the decision that it is not good for my car for me to be sitting in my soaking wet clothes back in the car for the hour-long drive back home. So I do what any reasonable person would do, and I get changed out of my clothes because I have an extra set in the car. No, I don't. I don't have an extra set of clothes in the car. I mean to, and I plan to, and I don't. So now I, I have really no options. So we get all the stuff loading up in the car. We climb in, we're ready to leave, and I'm barefoot, wearing only my underwear and my jacket buttoned all the way up to the top. And that's how we drive home for, for the next hour. We listened to music and talked and laughed about it. See, and we're very excited to tell this story because now there are videos and they were posted on Instagram and on Sunday nights we usually go out to my buddy Jake's parents house a bunch of the young young adults we go out there and we hang out and we just talk and tell stories and we are very excited to tell this story because it's funny and Jake has a flair for the hyperbolic so when when I say it was 30 degrees He's going to remind everybody that it was 20 degrees. Our half a mile hike to the car, mile. Water up to my knees in the waders, it was all the way filled up, just overflowing with water. And so we show up to church this morning, and people are asking me, so how was fishing yesterday? Tell me what happened. I said, just wait. This story is too good to tell, you know, in four seconds before church starts. And so that was it. That was my story. Um, and that really does capture into that second tier of fun because at the time I was mad. Like I had fallen in, I am soaking wet. It is freezing cold and I'm soaked. Like it's just, it's like the worst possible thing that could have happened because I'd been planning on fishing for weeks. I'd spent a lot of time tying flies. I spent money buying the materials i spent money on a new rod and reel we drove an hour out here and we fished for like 45 minutes and now i'm freezing cold and wet like it is a non-ideal situation like it is a comedy of errors what happened to me but it's funny like it really is like if this happened in a movie you would laugh like when we tell this story we're gonna laugh at the time i was upset like i was mad but it's a funny story. I'm going to tell that story for years. I'm going to tell that story to my kids. I'll tell that story to my grandkids. Like, it's it's a funny story. It just is. But, you know, I wasn't very happy about it at the time. Now, fortunately, uh, I've been taking cold showers for the past month. Since, you know, all year I've, I've been taking cold showers. So I'm used to being covered in cold water. Uh, it's different when you have no choice. Uh, it's also different when you have to walk a mile back to the car, and it's 30 degrees outside. But I, I was full body numb, 
and I was I wasn't too uncomfortable. So uh, <laughs> it could have been worse. It can always be worse. That's that's what you gotta tell yourself. So that was my second tier of fun story that happened to me this weekend. Uh, really a disaster, but really super funny. If you want to see the video of me dumping my waiters out and throwing them, uh, that is you can find that on our Instagram because uh, that's a great way to capture some attention to listen to the podcast is seeing me soaking wet, cold. So I'll post that on Instagram. Now you've heard the story of why, of how all that happened. I feel like it's a pretty good story. Um, so let's see. What's going on for me this week? What's going on in my life? Um, well, I've, like I said, I've started a new book, The Obstacles the Way. It is my favorite book in the world. I have very much enjoyed that. Um, I've watched like five movies this week, which is a lot. But uh, I've watched some good, I've watched some good stuff. The best movie I watched this week is The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, which is a classic film. And there's a reason for it. Like, I'd heard about it. You know, everyone's heard heard the whole thing. Like, we're all familiar with the famous... Uh, we're all familiar with the famous uh, sound effect in there. But I was watching it, and I realized, like, what a big influence this movie was, in particular, to The Mandalorian. Uh, like, it's, it's obvious that The Mandalorian is shot and marketed as, like, Star Wars the Western. But, like... You know, it draws from a bunch of Western tropes and all this stuff. But, like, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly is a heavy influence to The Mandalorian. Like, the soundtrack in some parts, I was I was like, oh, that sounds like The Mandalorian. And then the first time you hear Clint Eastwood speak, you're like, that sounds like The Mandalorian. Like, he's intentionally trying to talk like Blondie from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And then there's, like, some costume choices. There's There's a part where... Clint Eastwood shows up in this big like shawl and it's kind of thrown over his shoulder to to show the gun on his hip and the Mandalorian wears the cape in the same kind of way it's kind of draped over him in a dramatic showing the gun on his hip kind of a way and it was really really cool it was a really excellent movie Um, it's streaming for free on Amazon Prime I really highly recommend you go out and and watch that movie like it is really long but it's really really good like there's a reason it's a classic so uh, you should definitely go out and watch that um this is going to be some interesting news so sarah and i haven't gone out on a date in a while and that's because we lived in bowling green and in bowling green well in all of kentucky the governor is being very very hands-on about the whole covid stuff and so all the restaurants for the longest time were carry out only so we couldn't really go out for a date. We could drive out to Nashville, but you know we were still in school and trying to manage holidays in school and packing up our apartment to leave to move up here to Missouri. And so we hadn't gone out on a date in a while. And so we finally made some money up here. And we're like, you know what? We need a date night. We have to go out to eat somewhere. So we do. We, we look around and we find a place called the Scottish Arms. It is a Scottish restaurant. Now, I've been craving uh, food from the UK for a long time because of this podcast called the Off Menu Podcast. It's where two comedians, James A. Caster and Ed Gamble, they, in this podcast, they run an imaginary restaurant where they have guests on and they get to have the best, you know, appetizer, drink, starter, 
side dessert they've ever had in their life and they talk about it but all the celebrities that they have on the show are from the uk and so they talk a whole lot about cuisine from like england and scotland and ireland and it has made me crave that food so badly it's not even funny like i've been wanting fish and chips for weeks and so i finally just look it up where can i get fish and chips in st louis and i find this place called the scottish arms and so we went out and it was awesome we got this uh and i want to talk in particular about uh this this appetizer we had it's called a scotch egg and if you know me very well at all you know that i am an aficionado of cooking eggs like i love eggs so like the year that i was working at cabela's i was also broke like i made ten dollars an hour i barely worked 20 hours a week I barely made enough money to pay my rent and eat. Like, I was eating on $20 a week. So I ate a lot of eggs and a lot of pasta. And so I, I started experimenting a lot with different ways to cook eggs because you can only eat scrambled eggs so many times. And scotch eggs are by far one of the best ways I've ever had an egg cooked. Now, I'm going to explain this. So a scotch egg is a soft-boiled egg. That's where you got to start. You take a soft-boiled egg where it's still really, really runny in the middle. And you take that and you peel the shell off. Then you take pork sausage. And then you wrap the soft-boiled egg in pork sausage. Now it's like encased in like a new shell of pork sausage. You roll that pork sausage ball into some flour. Then some egg wash. And then crushed like either breadcrumbs or like cornflakes and so now it's this big ball and then you flash fry it so you got the meat cooked and then it cooks the cooks the yolk of the egg to be more like hard-boiled or like medium boiled egg and then you cut that dude open and it's crispy it's got sausage and then it's got like the soft gooey center of like a medium boiled egg and it is i mean it is divine it is a fantastic way to cook an egg. And that is something I've been super excited about all week. And I finally ate it, and it was delicious. Uh, we also had fish and chips, which we had, uh, like, the haddock. So it's kind of interesting. They cook fish and chips differently in different parts of the U.K., like Scotland, way up north. They use haddock. Down south, like in, in England, they use cod. And so we were at a Scottish restaurant, so we had this, we had haddock, and it was bigger than the plate, like a giant slab, and the french fries were delicious, the peas were delicious, and so we had that, and it was fantastic, and then we ordered bread pudding, I had never had bread pudding before, whoa, I've been missing out, it was a bread pudding made with like dried cherries, dried apricots, apples, and cream anglaise, oh man, like, one of the best meals I've eaten in a very, very long time was this past Friday night, and man. Yeah, like, I just want to talk about that, because I don't often go out to eat, and when I go out to eat and find something delicious, I am passionate about it. So, yeah, if you ever want to come out and try those scotch eggs and fish and chips, please come visit us in St. Louis. I'll happily take you out to eat there. It is wonderful. Uh, so that's been my week. I got soaking wet in, in a river. I've watched some good movies. I've eaten some delicious food. Um, yeah, it's been a good week.
things are good. Um, I don't know what else I ought to say. Uh, really blessed, really a good time. Um, you can find us on Instagram. This is the end of the podcast now. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at the secret language period pod. Uh, you can find me individually at Jesse underscore Vaughn on Instagram and then on Twitter at J underscore Arthur 20. That's also my username for Letterboxd. If you're interested, that's where I uh, track and rate all the movies that I watch. Um, that's it, man. Like, you know how this goes at the end of the show. Um, if you love the podcast, share it with someone you love. If you hated it, share it with someone you hate. And uh, until next week, courage.